Good morning. I'd like to thank everybody so much for giving me this honor uh, to be able to bring the Word of God to you today. Uh, Danny told me some specifics on the phone about when I was speaking. He said about 10.55, and then from there, you, you got it. You got the green light. Take as much time as you want. That's a, that's a brave statement. But uh, don't worry, you will see the Super Bowl uh, this evening. I'm not going to. Now, if you told Zach Martin, y'all know Zach, don't, you better not tell him because you'll miss the Super Bowl, March Madness, baseball. You might miss a lot. I'm just kidding. I love Zach. I, I miss him this morning. Uh, several years ago, I did a, a short series of, of sermons that focused on questions from God. And so many folks today um, and throughout history uh, like to ask God questions. And I think that's, that's okay and that's healthy if we're, really, if we're really digging in and wanting to find the answers. But what really will help us more than anything is to look at the questions that God has for us. God, throughout his word, lays out some questions for mankind. And, it, and it's not that God doesn't know the answers, but he wants us to answer these questions for ourselves. And, and he knows that if we do so, we're going to grow closer to him. So our question from God this morning comes to us in several different passages. Are you not worth more? Are you not worth more? Now that word, worth, um, we, we need to define that first. And we, we'll, we'll say we're not worthy. In fact, in class this morning, Danny hit on Luke 17, and some versions of your Bible say unworthy servant, um, and, and some say unprofitable. Uh, we got a brother in here that's a Greek-Hebrew guy. He would tell you <laughs> exactly the word there. But when we talk about worth, when we say I'm undeserving, that's different than, than worth, right? When we look at the definition of worth. Um, uh, worth, if we look at the term there, that's, that's how much someone would pay for an item, right? That's the value of it, is its worth. And we know as Christians... To God, we're worth a great deal to Him. And as I go through this lesson, this is not, um, this is not going to be a, a sermon to boost our ego, right? That's not one of them. We get enough of those on TV, uh, right? The health and wealth gospels. That's not where we're going today. And I pray and I, I hope that as we work this out, that it'll actually humble us and want to serve God that much more. But the Bible begins and ends from Genesis to Revelation. Scripture is filled with God letting you know how much you are worth to him. If you look at the, uh, Genesis chapter 1 and you start with creation, if all you get out of it is, is how God created this universe and put things in order, you're missing something extremely important. And yes, it's an, it's an awesome, powerful story. 
when you look at the story of creation. God just does one amazing thing right after another. Just one powerful, just speaks it into existence. And, and it's, it is an awesome story. And, it, and we look around and you, you look at the universe and everything in it. The trillions and trillions, I say trillions because that's the biggest number I, I got. Uh, we know there's more stars out there, just like our star. That many more in the galaxies and I love, I love the, the nature shows. My, my favorite channels on, on TV, if I could just get ESPN and the nature shows, I'm, I'm good. You can, you can have the rest. But every time I watch those nature shows, it just builds my faith that much more. I see something new. They pull up some creature out of the depths of the ocean. I think, wow, God's amazing. But we look at this and we look at creation and we can kind of... We kind of feel like David in, in Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4. He says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? We can look at everything and feel kind of small and say, who, who am I that you care for me? And God tells us. If you look in Genesis 1, at verse 26, he says, there, there's, there's something different that takes place. He said, let us make man in our own image. A little different right there than the rest. God's telling us something here. This is special to him right here. God wants us to know from the beginning, you're different than the animals. You're, you're not just a product of nature. You're, you didn't come from animals. I made you special. You're in my image. You are mine. You have a soul that will live on for eternity. And I want us to understand this, too. Again, th this should really humble us, and this should change how I live, but it, it, sh it should change how I treat other people because everybody I come in contact with was made in God's image. That's easy to say until you get to work and you're dealing with old so-and-so that likes to get under your skin, right? Oh, they're made in God's image too. And they're precious to him. My favorite part of, of the book of Job is Job chapter 38. And you know Job has been through everything and has lost everything and He's beginning to question God and, and what life's about. And, and God lays it out for him, right? I, I say, God says, brace yourself, Job. And to me, he's saying, I'm, I'm getting ready to take you to school right here. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to talk to you. Brace yourself. And he begins to lay out, where were you when I... When I built the foundations of the earth, where were you when I stopped the waves, when I told them where to stop? Where were you uh, when I commanded the mornings and the dawns and measured the earth? And he, and he does all this, and it's not, he's not doing it to minimize Job. He's not doing it to say, hey, look, you're nothing. He's, he's showing him, hey, I got this. I'm in control. You're precious to me, but I got this. You don't see the whole picture. 
In fact, if you look back at Job 1 at the beginning, God's having a conversation with Satan. It's kind of an odd thing to wrap our minds around here. And he asked him where he's been. He asked Satan where he's been. He says to and fro. He's checking things out. And what, what does God say? He doesn't say, hey, did you see the, the mountains I made or all these galaxies in the sky? Or He says, did you see Job? He, he looks down at a righteous man and says, here's something special right here. Here's something I care about deeply right here. Just a man living his righteous life. God wants us to know that we're, we're important to him. He places value on us. He knows every tear we shed. He collects them in a bottle. He knows the number of hairs. It's not too hard for me, but he knows. It. <laughs> Psalm, Psalm 139. I want to read through this. Psalm 139. And if you can, I've got them broken up every so often. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together. In my mother's womb, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it every well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me. Are your thoughts, O oh God, how vast is the sum of them? If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. If, if all we get out of this scripture is that we got this all-seeing, all-powerful God, we're missing something crucial. This is, a, this is a beautiful picture of an intimate relationship with our creator right here. He, he cares about us. He loves us. This, this powerful God loves us. I want to read a, a few more scriptures, and I'm just jumping through here. If you hit the slide before we get to our main text. Psalm 56, 8. And I mentioned this earlier. You have taken account of my wanderings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Zechariah chapter 2 verse 8. For thus says the Lord of hosts, after glory has sent me against the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. Isaiah 43 4. Since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you. Second Chronicles 16 9. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. This is just a few of, of many. All these verses show us we're, we're so valuable to God. 
you turn to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is, is giving his Sermon on the Mount here, and he's talking about worry. That's the main. I, I'm, I'm not trying to pull it out of context and twist it, but there's, there's a point to why he's saying not to worry. Verse 26 in, in Matthew 6, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, sow nor wheat nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? He goes on to say, look at the lilies of the field. See how they're clothed. Solomon and all his glory don't match their beauty. Jesus is saying, if I, if I take care of these things, how much more am I going to care for you? Why are you anxious? Why are you worried? He's telling us he loves us. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 28 through 31, Jesus talking to his disciples gives the same message. Verse 28, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who, cannot, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Sparrow in Jesus' day was uh, the poor man's sacrifice. You, you get two, right? One, buy one, get one free for a penny. He's saying, if I know when they fall, if I care about that, don't you think I care that much more about you? I think, uh, I think Satan uses the world, he uses society to make us feel worthless. He wants us feeling like we're not worth anything to our Father in Heaven. And we go through life and we, we take some hits, right? We're, just growing up is rough, isn't it? We, we, we get big dreams growing up. And sometimes we find out, I ain't got the stuff to make those dreams come true. I wanted to be a big basketball star, right? I wanted to be Daryl Griffith, do a 360. Michael Jordan, you know, I think you could easily tell that wasn't happening. Coach told me, son, you're too heavy, too slow, you can't jump. You can, you can foul really well, but that's, that's about it. We'll use you for that. Kind of devalues you, right? And that's just, I mean, we can look back at that kind of stuff and and laugh about it, hopefully, and know that that wasn't our purpose anyway. But what about the more serious stuff that happens in our life? Maybe relationships that we've had. Maybe a, a boyfriend or, or a girlfriend or maybe even a spouse, a husband or a wife that has devalued us in some way, made us feel like we're not worth anything. Maybe it's harsh words or criticism that's made you question your, your value. And sadly, sometimes that happens even in the church. I pray that it, that it don't. It should never happen in the church. Maybe it's your age. Maybe you feel like you've gotten older and you're, 
you don't have the same worth or, or, or value, I encourage you to look at Scripture. That's a whole other lesson that we could get into. But it's loaded with examples. Maybe you're, you're young and you think I'm too young and, and nobody will value my opinion or, or what I got going on. Look at Scripture again. Maybe someone you really loved and cared for did something that deeply hurt and you don't feel as valuable anymore. Maybe it's some sin that you committed that you can't stop thinking about and you repented of it. You, you're not living that no more, but you think God don't think the same about you that he did. That's not my God. The Bible is packed full of examples and stories and direct quotes from God where he wants us to understand that he places value on us. And I'm telling you today, if God places value on you, I don't care what the world says. You're valuable to him. He cares. The Gospel of Luke, he really focuses. Zach did a good job a while back going through the Gospel of Luke and telling us that the Gospel of Luke really focuses on people in the world that have been devalued, have kind of on the outskirts of, of society. And if, you, if you're struggling with this, I encourage you to study the book of Luke, but you can see how Jesus interacts with each, each one of these people. But in Luke 19, we see Zacchaeus. He's a perfect example of what we're talking about. Here's this uh, wee little man, right? Little, little short guy, and he's, and he's short in society's eyes, too. Right? Jewish folks didn't care too much for a tax collector. He was, he was kind of a sellout to the, uh, to the Romans and, and, uh, or to the Jews getting money for the Romans and uh, probably thought of as, as a crook. And Zacchaeus wasn't a stupid guy. He knew what people thought about him. And I, I'm sure he felt de, devalued his whole life. And he hears about Jesus coming through his hometown and he climbs a tree just to get a, a look at this man called Jesus. And I think Zacchaeus is like a lot of folks today. I'm just another face in the crowd. I'm just a nobody, but I'm going to get up here and try to get a peek at, at this man Jesus. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God goes straight to him, and he calls him by name. That's powerful. And he says, come down out of that tree. I'm going to your house today. You think Zacchaeus was uh, a perfect person? You think uh, Jesus checked his resume out and said, yeah, he, he, he cuts it. I'm, I'm going to go to this guy. No, not at all. Jesus knew his heart. He knew Zacchaeus was looking for him. And he knew he was at a distance. I don't care what's happened in your life up until now. Jesus is telling you, come down out of that tree and come here close. I, I want to spend some time with you. I, I want this intimate relationship with you. That's humbling. That's humbling that our Creator would do that. At Toyota, um, I'm retired now, but I had, a, I had an employee number of 6,276. 
That was my number, and that was actually, seems large, but it was actually pretty good seniority. We had guys coming in 70,000s and 80,000s before I left. A lot of you folks probably either have worked or work at, at GE or Ford, and uh, we understand that we're kind of a number, right, that when I leave, the next number's coming in, and they won't miss a beat. They'll, they'll keep right on rolling. Being a child of God, I'm not just a number to him. God doesn't look down from some faraway place and say, oh, well, 6276 just left the church. Here's 6277. Good luck. He don't do that. It breaks his heart if I leave him. He cares for us. And, and the beauty of it is he is not some faraway God. We serve a resurrected Christ that lives today. He's right here with me right now and cares for me. As many of you know, um, Dan mentioned it this morning, my dad passed away uh, several weeks ago, and it's been tough, tougher than I, than I thought. Uh, but what gets me through is, is all the good stories that I hear about dad. So many people said, you know, your dad was here when this happened to me and took care of me, or, or your dad uh, brought me to Christ. You know, that's, that's the ultimate thing. And I hear stories like that, and it makes me smile, and I'm, I'm so proud uh, that, that he was my dad. And I think about what, what an honor it is to have a guy like that raise me and how humbling that is. I was talking with my mom after he passed, and she said something that really got me. She said, I hope you understand how crazy your dad was about you. He thought that you hung the moon and stars. Wow. And that, when I hear that, I get uh, mixed emotions. I, I feel really good. I feel as I got a buddy that always says, I feel like I could whip a rattlesnake. I feel like I think, boy, this guy that I admired so much thought that much about me. But then it, then something else hits in. I, I feel bad at times when I think about the past, when I didn't live up to his standards. I didn't live up to his name, giving honor to him. You know, honoring somebody is, is all about how we live. It's more than words. But, but I think about my dad's love and what that meant to me and how that motivates me. How much more is God's love for me? My dad was just a man. He was imperfect. And he'd be the first to tell you he, he sinned quite a bit. While he loved me with everything he had, compared to God's love, it wasn't even close. He can't even hold a candle. We can't even wrap our minds around how precious we are to God. And that kind of love should change us. That should motivate us. When I realize that God loves me that much, 
it should push me to want to give him honor in everything I do. And that's what I was talking about. This ain't about boosting our ego. It's his glory. It's, it's his honor. The perfect creator of the universe looks at me and thinks I'm the apple of his eye. That's something. That should bring me to my knees when I sin against him. And it should light a fire in me to want to spread the gospel. Because I know he feels the same way about everybody I come in contact with. I think I got one more slide there. I've got that up there, and I want this just to to drive it home. Let God's love be your motivation to live for him. Danny was hitting on it this morning in class. Growing up, I let fear motivate me. And I'm not talking about the good kind of fear of the Lord that the Bible talks about. I'm talking about the selfish kind of fear, like hiding the talent kind of fear. I'm just fearful of doing the right thing not to go to hell. That kind of motivation leads us to a bad perspective, a, a bad view of things. It leads us to looking at God's word as this checklist of, of do's and don'ts. And as, as long as my do's outweighs my don'ts, then I'm going to be okay. That's not it. I begin to see God as this faraway judge who's just waiting to drop the hammer down on me. That kind of view, it doesn't maintain a healthy relationship with God. And it really, it diminishes his grace and his mercy. It's what we talked about this morning. You can't earn it. It'd be like growing up with abusive parents and thinking, well, I'm just going to do this to keep from getting beat. And what happens when I get older? I'm out of here. I'm not coming back. For me personally, I turned away from God. It wasn't until I had kids that I, that I got serious. I thought, okay, I, I got to get my relationship with, with Christ right. And when I started to dig in and really study and pray, I soon found out that my God is not this far away being that's ready to punish me at the drop of a hat. He's my father, the creator of the universe, all powerful, and he's my father. And he wants more than anything for me to spend eternity with him, so much so that he gave his only son to die on a cross to save me. When when I learn more and more about his steadfast love, that never ceases. That's the motivation that we need. That's the motivation that's going to keep me going and enduring and be faithful to the end. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, you're missing out on the greatest love ever known. I don't know why you'd want to miss out on that. If you've let the world tell you you're not worth it, God says don't believe that. You're worth it to him. 
If you want to start a relationship with Christ today, it's, it's simple. And, and my crew knows I'll, where I always go when I, when I give the invitation. I like to keep things simple. I always go to Acts chapter 2. And P, Peter's preaching that sermon on the day of Pentecost, and they stop him. They get cut to the heart. They realize where they're at without Christ. What do we got to do to be saved? And Peter tells them in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. That ain't rocket science, is it? We, we can do what they did and get what they got today. That same invitation is open. And, and God wants more than anything to have that relationship with you today. If you've already done that and, and maybe your, your relationship with Christ is strained, you've You've turned away from him. Maybe the motivation of love is, is, is not there. Maybe you just need the prayers of the church because you're not feeling as, as valuable as you once were. Maybe there's sin in, in your life that you need to get rid of. Whatever it might be this morning, please come while we stand and sing.